Okay, so community of transformation. This is who we are. This is where we've been for the last few weeks. So Ryan and Drew both have gotten us to this point. We've been in the book of Acts. Gosh, how long have we been in the book of Acts? We've been here for a very long time. Today, we're t- I'm talking about um, Acts 20. And uh, so we've gotten to this point. I think we started last summer and then we took a break with a bunch of different stuff, but we are now in Acts 20 and then we are gonna take a break for a little bit of time again and then we'll be back. But um, Acts 20, this is where we are. So if you wanna turn there, I'm just gonna dive right in because there's so much that I want to share this morning. And you know me, I'd like to just get it all in. So, um, so Acts 20 verse one, it says, when the uproar ended, Paul sent for his disciples after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. He traveled through that area, speaking many words of encouragement to people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed for three months because some Jews had plotted against him just as he was about to sail for Syria, he decided to go back through Macedonia. So today we're gonna be talking a lot about this guy named Paul. And I'm gonna share some stories with you guys about him, but um, just a little backstory. One, he's on his third mission. So he is a guy um, that is a missionary. He's out encouraging people. He's, he's, uh, his mission in life is to encourage believers and to tell people about Jesus. And so um, it's a little backstory to this chapter because it starts out with saying when the uproar ended. So something must have just happened for that to start this chapter. It's a very interesting way to start a new chapter. But Drew, you know, he shared uh, last week on Acts 19 and it's talking about this uproar where Paul, he, before he set out to Macedonia, he was in the city of Ephesus. And at the time, the city of Ephesus was a pretty dark place. It was um, not good. There was a lot of evil practice that was happening in this city. And so Paul goes in and he is the light in this city. He brings the light of Christ in him into the city. And so when I talk about what does it mean to bring the light, Jesus said this in Matthew 5, 14, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gets light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So Paul, he is a believer and so he carries this light. And so he goes where Holy Spirit leads him to go. And so he ends up in this city of darkness. He ends up in the city of Ephesus. And when light comes into a dark space, truth is revealed. So there's evil practices going on. There are shrines to Artemis, which is the goddess of fertility in which they're worshiping. It's, it's gross what's happening in this city. And so he goes in and he starts to tell everybody about who Jesus is. And Demetrius, he's a silversmith. And maybe Drew taught about this last week, but he's a silversmith and he is pretty angry at Paul right now, because Paul is actually ruining his livelihood. The way that he gets money is through building these shrines. It's through doing all this, this work of the, of the evil. And so um, he starts to get people riled up and there's a riot that then takes place. And so darkness felt threatened and the riot happens. Have anybody experienced that, right? Darkness does not like the light. And so 
a riot took place. But then, you know, Paul, he's, he comes in and he's speaking truth. And people start to hear this truth. And again, the light shows the darkness. It, it, it like comes into the darkness and it starts to reveal the truth. So he's starting to share this truth that people had not heard. And people start to move towards Jesus. They start to give their lives to Jesus. And they're like, what is going on in this city? Right, and so then what he does is he's like, okay, the riot has kind of chilled out at this point, so now I'm on my way. And so just a little reminder of who Paul is so that we can give you a context of why he's just so passionate about the Lord and why he is out on his third mission at this point. See, in uh, Acts 9, um, Paul, his name was actually Saul at the time. And we read about Saul, and Saul is a guy that does not like Christians at this point. He's a guy that wants to stop anyone that is following the way, which is Jesus. And so he's doing everything that he can to get this stopped. He wants to get any Christian, any Christ follower to be in prison. He's done with them spreading this news about Jesus all over the country. And so he's just like, I'm done. So he is on his way to Damascus to talk to the high priest and get orders to be able to imprison anyone that's in, that's following the way. And what happens on that is, on that trip to Damascus is he encounters Jesus. And you can read about it in chapter nine. It's this incredible counter that takes place. And what happens as he picks himself up off the ground is his life is radically changed from that point on. And you know, I was spending time with the youth um, a couple weeks ago, right after they got back from camp. I had um, been leading youth group that day and I didn't get to go to camp, which is my choice. I, I, I'm, I'm too old to go to camp these days. Those kids wear me out. But I was like, I'm not going to camp, but I wanna hear what happened at camp, okay? And so I get so excited to hear from kids of what happened. And so I sit these kids down during youth group and I'm like, all right, tell me all the fun things first. And so they are telling me about all the things. I don't know if you guys know this, but they won the whole event. They have a trophy, trophy in the youth bay that they're super proud of. And they just, they had a great time. And then I said, okay, now I wanna hear what did God do in your life? And you guys, there was probably, I would say 30 of the 40 kids that went to camp in this youth group at that point. They're back there and they're telling me story after story after story. I was giving them candy so that I could hear their stories, but they were telling me their stories. And you could see in their eyes and in their countenance that they had been changed. See, story after story after story, they were telling me how I heard God for the first time and I'm changed. I felt God's presence as I was in worship for the first time and I was changed. See, these kids, just like Paul, they encountered God's presence at camp and they were radically changed. And you can see it in how they're even going about life right now. It's crazy the things that, they, that they're talking about of just spending time with the Lord and wanting to know him and, and do what he's calling them to do. See, just like that, Paul was a guy that was impacted and encountered by God. He, didn't, he wasn't one of the disciples that walked this earth with Jesus, but he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and he turned his life. He made Jesus his Lord and savior and he totally turned his life around and started following him. So that's why he's super passionate about letting everybody know about who this Jesus is. He once was a persecutor of these Christians and now, He's running with the Christians and telling everybody and encouraging people in their faith, in their walk with the Lord. 
So in Acts um, 13, though, what happens is, and you might get a little confused because his name was Saul. So in Acts 13, his name gets changed to Paul. And so that's where we start reading more and more about who Paul is. So Paul and some of his disciples, they're now on this mission and they stop in Tros for a week and we pick up in Acts 20, verse seven. It says, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to, see, I was gonna call him Saul. Paul spoke to the people and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where, there was a, where they were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eudotas, and he was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul was talking on and on. Can you imagine? Please don't fall asleep in my message. I am going to talk on and on, but I won't go that long. But when he, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. And Paul went and threw himself on the young man and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. And then he went upstairs and broke bread and ate. After uh, talking until daylight, he left and the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. Okay, wow. Okay, first of all, that's a, a crazy story. I, I don't know, you know, he, he's, he has this limited time with him. He knows he's leaving and he's like, I've got all these things I need to say. So we're just going to stay here so I can say all the things. And so that would be going on for hours and hours and hours, right? So of course this kid is going to fall asleep. I mean, come on, that's a lot of hours. But then this kid falls to the ground and he dies. And I don't know if you can imagine the moment of what those people are feeling the grief and the sadness of what just took place. But then you've got Paul, who's totally full of faith, who just goes and puts himself on this kid. And then I can imagine him standing up like the superhero of, don't be alarmed. He's like, he's alive, right? It's like the craziest thing. Like I have never experienced anything like that where somebody is dead in front of me and then they are alive. And then what he does is he basically dusts off his knees, dusts off his hands, goes upstairs and just starts breaking bread with everybody again, goes on with his talking until daylight. Okay, that's a crazy situation. First off, to be so comforted in a, that a miracle, confident that a miracle is taking place and then just to be like, yeah, he's alive. All right, let's go. We've got things to do. Like he's comforted or confident knowing God's going to be there. God's going to show up. God's going to show a miracle. I was reading this thing last night. I sent to my friends. I, I saw it on uh, Instagram. It says, believe you'll see miracles and they'll become part of your life. Believe you'll see miracles and they'll become part of your life. See, Paul knew the God he served. He knew the miracle worker. And he was confident of who he was and he saw miracle after miracle after miracle. And you can read it all in the New Testament. Secondly, the faith that had to have been spurred on in those people experiencing this miracle at the moment, that completely changes you. You know, about 19 years ago, uh, my dad fell off of a ladder onto, off, it was about 20 feet high, onto cement. He was in his... Um, work garage thing and um, no one was with him and he laid in a pool of blood for about three hours 
and he had his cell phone with him, but um, he, he wasn't coherent enough to actually call. Like he tried, but uh, the, people thought he was butt dialing them. You know, it was just crazy. And so, cause he wasn't talking. And it was a miracle because what happened, my brother happened to, he needed to use the internet. It's back before we really had internet on our phones and, and it was just on our computers at home. And so he was checking something at my house and he ran in the door and he just grabbed my home line and he called my dad. Doesn't even remember why he called him, but he did. And so my dad in that moment, for some reason, he actually said, hey, Justin, I'm going to cry. He said, hey, Justin, I'm hurt. Come get me. Gosh, I love my dad so much. But um, so my brother, what what should take about seven minutes, took him about two. And he got up there and an ambulance came. And that night, um, me and four of my six siblings were all at the hospital. And we are surrounded by people that are just praying. There's about 35, 40 people in the waiting room with us because they love my dad so much. And they're just praying and praying and praying. And there was this moment where the doctor came out and he said, I need this, the, the kids. And so we walked up to him and he, they said, you need to prepare yourself. You need to go say goodbye. And I was like, what? You know, and this is in Legrand. Okay. So I should have known, but I was just like, okay. So I walk in and I'm hysterical at this point because I am a daddy's girl. And so I'm just bawling and I walk in and my dad looks at me and he's like, KJ, why are you crying? And I'm like, so confused at this moment. And I'm like, what? See, I didn't jump in there and jump on him and say, okay, I need a miracle. And then, you know, but we had people praying like crazy. And so later that night, about three in the morning, we followed an ambulance to Boise. And, you know, they weren't sure, you know, how this was going to go. But three days later, he left the hospital. Three days later, they told me to say goodbye to him. And three days later, we walked out of that hospital. And see, that was a miracle. And yeah, there's huge difficulties that have taken place from that. But my, my dad, he just, he hangs on to the Lord. He has served the Lord so much. Like he just, he loves Jesus. He cries anytime he says Jesus because he knows his God. He knows the miracle worker. And every time I think about that story, I think of, I just thank God and just say, thank you for saving my dad's life. Thank you for the testimony of his life. See, those that saw this boy dead and then alive, you know that they were out telling anyone that would listen about this miracle. They were following a miracle-working God, and so are we. It's the testimonies of these miracles and God's goodness that builds faith in all who listen and who believe. So going on to Acts 20, Paul moved from Tros and was headed to Jerusalem, and he was in a hurry because he wanted to be there by the day of Pentecost. See, the day of Pentecost, it was a big deal to those who followed Jesus. And you can read about it in Acts 2. It's the day that the promised Holy Spirit fell on those in the upper room waiting for the gift that Jesus said the Father would be giving them. And a few years ago, uh, Ryan was preaching on the day of Pentecost and um, some people, they didn't even know, they were like, I've never heard of that before. So I just wanna spend a second and tell you what the day of Pentecost is. See, a few, um, when Jesus rose from the grave 
And he, um, he came back for 40 days to be with the disciples and walk the earth for 40 days before he ascended into heaven. And he told the disciples, I don't want you to leave Jerusalem. I want you to stay here and I want you to wait for the promised gift that my father has for you. So these guys, they had no idea what that meant. But what they did know and understand was Jesus, who they had walked life with, was telling them, hey, don't leave this room, don't leave this, this city and, and wait because what is f- coming for you is gonna be greater than me walking life with you. Okay, so they do what Jesus says, they stay in Jerusalem, they wait for the gift and on the day of Pentecost, there were 120 people in this upper room praying and waiting for what the Father was gonna bring them and then the, the Holy Spirit fell on them and filled them with the Spirit. So from that day, all those who professed to know Jesus and believed that he was the son of God, they were filled with the spirit. And that means us. Jesus no longer walks on earth with us, but we have Holy Spirit in us that walks life with us. That's the best gift that Jesus could have ever given us. So now Paul, he's on his way to Jerusalem because the day of Pentecost is being celebrated and he does not want to miss it. And also, it is the direction that the Holy Spirit is leading him in. So in verse 22, it says, And now, compelled by the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city, the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. Can you imagine? I was was studying this scripture um, in my Bible. I have this note, and it says, Obedience is an appropriate response to salvation. We walk out this life in obedience to Christ, not because of a behavioral response, but because of our love and our surrender to Jesus. See, Paul walked a life of obedience out of his love and out of surrendering his heart to Jesus. He would seek the Holy Spirit for direction and then he'd go, even when he didn't know what he was facing, even when Holy Spirit was warning him about hardship and prison. Paul was compelled by the spirit to head to Jerusalem, not knowing what he was gonna face. And in the original text, compelled is actually to bind, meaning bound and constrained in his spirit or compelled by his convictions to follow what Holy Spirit was leading him to do. See, I don't know about you guys, but I like to know where I'm going and I like to know what's ahead. That's just me wanting to be safe. So I like to check things out ahead of time. But there are times when we're not gonna know where God's taking us, what Holy Spirit's asking us to step into. And it's gonna take a lot of trust and faith in order to do this. And these are two things that Paul carried. How many of us are people that let Holy Spirit lead our lives and even when we don't know where we're going and we keep moving forward in what he says, compelled by the love that we have for him to go in the direction that he's calling us to go. See, Paul followed the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Nothing was gonna stop him, not even knowing that there was hardship and prison in front of him. He was still gonna run the race that was in front of him. So where Holy Spirit leads, Paul goes. Where Holy Holy Spirit leads, will you go? Again, it takes trust and faith. 
It takes us to, to believe what he's saying to us and then move out in those things. Verse 24, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Only, my only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying the good news of God's grace. See, Paul, he knew which race he was in. He knew the way to the finish line was to follow the lead of the Holy Spirit. And he knew the task that the Lord had given him and he was on this mission to encourage believers and to tell everybody about the good news. In Philippians 3, real quick, I'm gonna go to verse 12. It says this. Paul wrote this letter to the church of Philippi, but I just, I believe it's a message for us too. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, Paul was a normal guy that was out to kill Christians, encounters God, and his whole life change changes. And he's saying, hey, I don't even fully understand what it means to love the Lord. But what I am going to do is take hold of Jesus just like he's captured my heart. I'm going to hold on to him with everything I've got, and I'm going to go the direction that he's calling me to go. And the word forgetting in Philippians 3.13 means dismissing from mind or paying no attention to to forget in a way of stop dwelling in or on something. To win the race, a runner must dismiss every distraction from their mind. And I'm all about going back and getting healing for things. That is like, you guys, I'm, I'm, we're starting a series called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality in a couple weeks. And I'm stoked about it because I believe that we need to go back and deal with the things that have caused us pain and hurt in our lives because they are the things that we're dwelling on or that we're getting triggered by. And they are stopping us from running the race that God has called us to go. And that's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, hey, forget that. Meaning, hey, go deal with that so that that doesn't distract you anymore. Hey, go get healing. Go meet Jesus in that place so that you can keep running this race that he's called you to run. Don't let anything stop you from running the race that he has set out for you. So my question to you is this, are you taking hold of Jesus and moving forward in this race that Holy Spirit's leading you in? What has Holy Spirit put on your heart to do what is your life mission? See, Paul knew his life mission. Paul's life mission was to encourage believers everywhere he went and to tell people of the good news. To encourage believers and tell people the good news. So everywhere you read, even when he's in prison, he's doing that. That's his mission. Nothing was stopping him from his mission, from being on this race. So what is your life mission? Maybe you're a parent and your life mission is to lead your kids to walk a life with Jesus. Maybe you're bringing Jesus into your workplace. You know, um, I remember being, 
I worked for a beer distributor for, I don't know, 10 years. And I, I hated it. It was a very dark place. <laughs> um, it was, I mean, it was a good job. It paid well. My boss loved me. It was really good. But it was a dark place. And I was the only one that knew Jesus in that place. And so it was like a struggle. I was a youth pastor at the same time. And so I would rather be there with the kids than I would be to go to work. But I knew I had to pay my bills and that this was a direction that God had led me. And so I ended up hiring this assistant and she was with me all the time, every day in the same office. We talked and she, she just was in conversation with me all the time. And one day it had been like, I'm sure she had worked there at least a year, if not longer, but she knew I loved Jesus. And one day I had the guts to just say, Hey, you can come with me to this thing. And she happened to come with me to this women's thing at the church, which I didn't even like back in the day, but she came to, with me. And, uh, and it was crazy because then her and her husband showed up at church the next Sunday and they both got saved. They both came to know Jesus. See, my mission in that moment was that dark place that I was going into every single day. That was the season I was in. And I knew I had a call from the Lord and I wasn't released until he said, okay, now. Right, And so I stayed there and I had my head in it and I was just like, okay, Lord, what are we doing? And because of it, her life was changed. So what does your workplace look like? Is that where you're called to be? What does he have you do? Does he have you sharing Jesus with anybody? You don't even have to say Jesus's name, just love on people, right? Maybe you're a volunteer. Maybe you are to volunteer in an elderly retirement home and called to love on those that many forget about. Or love on your neighborhood, meeting people, inviting them in, getting to know their story. That's important. What about loving on the homeless? Jesse does an incredible job with this. <laughs> he does, you guys. And if you want to get involved in this, just go talk to him. But pray for, praying for them, loving on them when you see them, showing Jesus to them by how you treat them, asking the Holy Spirit for solutions and for strategy of how to meet them where they are. We need Holy Spirit to give us strategy for how to do this with the homeless around us. Maybe you're called to volunteer somewhere, something that you're passionate about. Maybe it's with teens or the pregnancy center or cleaning up the city or volunteering for the city council. You know how many things are out there for us to be, go and be involved in? But so often we use busyness as a distraction and we don't actually take a step into those things that we're called to do. Maybe the Lord is giving you new ideas for a business to reach your community or giving you ideas of how to reach people in ways you never expected. You know, there was a woman that uh, got a hold of me during um, the lockdown and COVID and, and she was like, hey, she's like, do you have any connections to jails or prisons or anything? And I was like, no, I, I don't. <laughs> and she's like, well, okay, I've just been praying, you know, like I, I've just been spending time with the Lord and I feel like I'm supposed to go in and minister to women. Just love on them. And I was like, go do it. Like, you don't need my permission, just go do it. And she's like, well, what should I do? And I'm like, I don't know, ask Holy Spirit. He'll give you a strategy of what to do. So she did. And Holy Spirit gave her some places to go. And she goes in to jails and to prisons. I don't know where the closest one is, but she's been there a few different times. And it's not even her going in and saying, you need Jesus. It's her going in and saying, you're a human being and I care about you. 
I want to see you. Like, I want to look in your eyes and I want you to know that you are loved and that you are cared for. And I, I'm here if you need anything. And yeah, I'm sure she does share Jesus with them. But that's something that she stepped out in. You know how scared she was? It was a scary, scary step. But she heard the Holy Spirit and she moved forward in that. I don't know if you guys know about this nonprofit called Love Stripped, but we've done a few different things to help this, this um, group of women. They go down to the office every three weeks. And the office is a strip club here in town, right downtown. And they go in and they go in with gifts every time. And they love these girls and they, they look them in the eye. They hear their stories. They tell them their story and they just love these girls. We're not there to condemn them for what they're doing. We're there to love them in the place that they are. And these women that go into this place are brave. Well, who's going to see them walking in? Who cares? They know what they're doing. They know what they're called to do. And they have relationship with these women because they've been doing it time after time after time. So who do you think these women are going to call when they need something? They're going to call the women that have been going there and meeting with them and giving them their number and saying, I'm here for you if you need anything. That's brave. That's a mission. I'm not called to that mission, but my friend is. And she's killing it. It's time that we sit with Holy Spirit and we ask him, what is the mission that you have for my life? What do you have for me? And like Paul, don't stop running the race. Deal with whatever's coming up, whatever triggers are being hit, whatever's stopping you. Don't let it stop you anymore. I had something else I was going to say, but I... So this is what we're going to talk about for the next 10 minutes or so is our mission in this season that we are here at Living Waters. We're going to talk about Community Life Sunday. And Community Life Sunday, it is um, going to start next Sunday. And so as a church, this is something that we believe that every, like we're supposed to do this for the rest of the year. So the last Sunday of every month, we are not having a gathering like this. What? You can actually not have church? Yes. It's totally okay. The reason is because we believe we're called into the community. We're called to impact. If we're, Ryan said this about three weeks ago. If we're not impacting the community around us, then we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing. We need to be making an impact. And so what does that look like? Well, that first looks like doing church outside of these walls. That, that means we're not going to come together, which we love to do, and we want to be with you, but we get to do that now as a group outside. So next Sunday, we are inviting you to do something during the normal time that you would be doing church. So if you're in a community group, maybe you need to meet up with your community group. Maybe your community group leaders are saying, hey, we've got something we're doing, and we're all going to do this as a community group. If you're interested in becoming a community group leader, I need more. So if that's something that the Lord is putting on your heart to do, come talk to me. Because I want everyone in this house to be connected to a community group. If you're interested um, in a community group, right now I have a couple that are still open. Um, and you can get that information at the Welcome Center. Maybe you want to talk to the people around you today before you leave and ask them, what are you doing next Sunday? 
Maybe invite somebody to do something with you. This is a great opportunity for us to do stuff together, not to leave anyone out. I know of a few girls that are saying that they want to get some families together and go on a family-friendly hike and start building relationship in this community. I think that's a great idea. You guys should go do that and invite people to do that with you. I know there's a group starting for the older generation to build relationship and to do things together. And so next Sunday, I know that they're wanting to do that. If you want information about that, let me know because we want that to happen. But next week, we have a few different options that you can be a part of if you are not sure what you want to do. And the first one is um, a community group. We are going to clean up our city. So we're partnering with Rogue Love, which is a community group that came out of this church. And it is now, um, it, it, she goes, Trish goes all over with different groups to clean up the city. She was driving down the street one day on her way to church and Holy Spirit said, look at how dirty this, the streets are. And she was like, why are the streets so dirty? And he's like, what are you gonna do about it? And she came to me that day and she was like, I think that we need to clean up the city. And I go, go for it. And she's like, okay. And so she heard the Lord call it rogue love and she started on a mission to clean up the city. And she has been with different organizations all over the valley cleaning up the city. So we are going to do this as a community group because she just happens to be the co-lead of our community group. And so we're gonna meet under the tent at 10 o'clock next Sunday. And we, um, uh, Medford Parks and Rec is providing everything that we need, vests and gloves and, and little things to pick it up and, and they're going to take away all the garbage. And so we're going to, for an hour and a half, we're just going to walk the streets of Medford in groups and we're going to pray over the city and we're going to clean it up. Sound like a good idea? I think so. One of the groups um, is inviting you guys to come li love on Liberty Park. So I don't know if you guys know this, but this whole section across the street, all the way down past Kids Unlimited is Liberty Park. And the city is wanting to love on this area because it is, it's not great. <laughs> and so we have a group that came to us and said, hey, we want to go love on Liberty Park. And so if you want to be a part of that group, they're going to meet closer to that building in the parking lot. And they are going to go and they're going to clean up trash as well. But they're going to pray and they're going to go and talk to neighbors and see what they need. Because next time in August, they want to go and mow lawns and weed garden beds and, and do whatever they need to do to help the people that are living there. And just love them right where they're at. And so if that's something that you want to be a part of, at 10 o'clock, they're going to be meeting there. We're going to have signs for them so you can see. But this is a family thing. We're going to do this together. And then we know that not everybody's going to remember or know that this is Community Life Sunday and we're not having church. So people might just be showing up and that's totally okay. And so they can have the options to go to those two groups or we're going to have a breakfast for those people here in this room. And there's a group of people, there's a community group that said, we want to be a part of this. And they're going to make breakfast and they're going to greet and they're going to get to know people. They're going to build connection in this house. And so if that's something that you're like, my family wants to be a part of that, Lysha's leading that. And you guys can um, email her. I have her, uh, it's L-Y-S-H-A, Lysha at LWRV.org. And she's gonna, there's so many people that wanna be involved in that. And so she's gonna put a schedule out. Um, and so if you want your family to be involved in that, please get a hold of her. See, if you have an, an idea of what you wanna do, first off, I'm just gonna ask that you invite others to it. 
That's what we get to do. We're not going to announce everything from the front because that's a lot of things. Okay. And that's just, it gets a little crazy, but that's where we get to do this together. There are so many people that want connection in this house. And you guys know that is my passion is to see people get connected in this house. So people are not left behind. And so maybe you're one of those people that you're like, I don't know anybody here. That's okay. There's a lot of people that don't know anybody here, but I would just say, go introduce yourself and say, what are you doing next Sunday? Maybe I'll meet you there. Right? This is going to be a great way where we get to build relationship with one another, but we also get to make a huge impact in our city. This is, this is a huge, huge thing that we cannot do without each other. So will you do me a favor? And if, if you are struggling though, and you're like, I'm not really sure what to do, will you just come and show up at one of those groups out there next week? Just show up. And just get started. That's going to be super easy. We're going to have enough stuff for everybody. And if this is something where you're like, I just don't know, I just don't know, you can email us. You know, email admin, A-D-M-I-N, at lwrv.org. And I'll, I'll get back to you and I can help you. But I don't want anybody to be left behind. And then what I do want is if you have ideas and you're like, hey, we're getting a group of people together, will you just let me know what those things are? Um, I want to hear about it and I, I want so that I can encourage others as well if I'm hearing, hey, I don't really know what to do. Um, and then I also want to hear your stories and see your pictures. What are you doing? Like what, what it, does this look like? This looks like us not being in this room, but actually impacting the city around us. So you can email me at Kim, K-I-M, at lwrv.org because we want to celebrate what the Lord is doing. We are a community of transformation, and this is the mission that the Lord has put on our hearts to do in this season. And so we can only do it if you guys are doing it with us. All right? Sound good? All right, you guys want to stand? You know, Paul was a guy that was compelled by Holy Spirit. He knew Holy Spirit. He asked him, what direction do you want me to go? And then he moved out in that. And so I'm just going to pray over us right now. Jesus, we just thank you for this time together. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for the relationship that we have with you. You're not a far off God. We don't need somebody to talk for us to you, but we get to talk directly to you. And we thank you for that relationship. And Holy Spirit, we ask that you would reveal to us anything that would be stopping us from the mission that you have for our life. I ask for you just to download right now different dreams and ideas in hearts as they hear from you that they move out in that direction. Whatever it is that you have for them, Jesus, I ask that you would show them anything that's stopping them from taking these steps. Anything that is, is um, getting in the way of them running the race that they are on with you. You have something very special for every single one of us. And so often we are distracted by busyness and by kids and by activities that are happening and it can just be a lot. And so Lord, I just ask for you just to come, come through all the chaos, speak to our hearts, give us dreams and passions and ideas of what to do and then show us the path and how to get there. And Lord, if there's anything that needs to be healed in us, we just say, let's, let's go. Show us what those things are. What's holding me back? Why am I so afraid?
What's being triggered in me that you want to meet so that I can run the race that you're asking me to run? We're in this together. And God, we want to see our brothers and sisters, we want to see them healed and whole and running at full capacity in the things that you've called them to do. Because we do know that when we are doing that, you are lighting us up. (laughs) We're having an impact around us. We are shining your light in the darkness that we face on a regular basis. So Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your presence. Thank you for speaking to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, amen.